I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Checking Out the Competition. I am Steve Jaco, filling in for Kelly Hinkle, along with Craig Forsyth. How you doing tonight, Craig? I'm doing all right. Ready to talk some uh, Boston Bruins. So. Yep, and here to talk Bruins with us tonight is Dan Ryan from Stanley Cup of Chowder. Hey, guys, how we doing? Doing all right. Getting ready for this exciting for Wednesday night game. game. tomorrow. Oh, Very yeah. Exciting. No longer rivalry night. It's just Wednesday night hockey. I would point. I, I, Flyers and Bruins kind of have a rivalry, a little bit, maybe not no, they, like. No, they they can't. It's not allowed anymore. <laughs> Wednesday night, not just no Wednesday night longer, hockey. It's no longer rivalry. Night. It's friend, regular friendly hockey. Night, yeah, so. Wednesday night sportsmanship night. Just that's right. The handshakes and good jobs left and right. So they have a more legitimate rivalry than the Flyers and Red Wings, which they pumped oh, out God. every year. Where it's like, you know, they played once in the Stanley Cup Final in '97. Great. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, but that that's bad. Worst one, I want to say through at the Bruins play rivalry night against the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> what, I, Why? I, I, who cares? Nobody, nobody here. Oh yeah, there the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> there, yeah, there were some absolutely terrible ones. I think Very Blue Jackets, strange. Blue Jacket, or Blue Jackets, uh, Sabers was one. And no, it's just like no, I nobody nobody cares about Columbus. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> no. Um, all right, so Dan, talking about the Bruins real quick. Uh, I think my first question that intrigues me most about the Bruins is uh, Yaroslav Halak, this is his first year with the team, right? Uh, yep. Comes in, supposed to be the backup, I imagine, and through uh, halfway through the season, both him and Rask have played 24 games. Each have started 23 games. Each have won 13 games. And Halak's numbers are a little bit better than Tuka Rask. If this was Philly, I know there would be a goaltending controversy. Uh, how are Bruins fans taking it? Are they just happy Hawks doing well, or is there kind of uh underlying feeling that maybe they should do something with Rask? Yeah, so talk to there are people who uh, who don't like Rask for a number of reasons. There, there yeah. are people who don't like him. Uh, doesn't care so. I've been in the locker room with them after the game, and like, you, if you listen to one of his interviews, he just he's very he's very Finnish. Okay, <laughs> yeah, like he just he's very deadpan, very right. blunt. If if he thinks he sucks, he says I sucked, and you know, people don't like that because it comes off as he caring, but he's really just honest, and he's like, if it doesn't bother him, like he, if he made a bad play, and he's like, you know what, I'll fix it next time, and that's it. Uh, so you combine that with. Him. And there, there are people here who just don't like him for for whatever reason. Um, a lot of people seem to struggle to understand that when you sign a goalie, you're paying half for past performance and half for future performance. So when they signed him to a bridge deal uh, after the 2012 season, then he went out in 2013 and had a career year. It was unbelievable. Um, unbelievable playoffs, and then they were kind of screwed. So they had to yeah. at that point. 
Uh, they paid him. They got a deal that you know he's paid what he's worth. And ever since then, um, there are people who like him. There are people who don't like him, and it's really no in between. There's no um, kind of neutral take with Rask. I, I like him. Right. Go bad yeah. rap. Uh, but it's he's just one of those guys where it's almost annoying because if he has a good game. It, people if he has a bad game i i like i'll explain it away i'll be like no no you know this happened this happened because i'm i'll defend him all the time yeah. uh but brought in halak um hudobin left town went to dallas got himself a decent deal there but he was good last year um and one of the things with rask is that for the past two or three years he's gotten to april and he's been out of gas um right you know starting over 50 games i think was pretty regular for him so Lock. I know the the ideal was that he would be able to take, you know, maybe 35, 40% of the games if they're lucky. Um, that's what's happened so far. I mean, he's he's taken the similar share, like he said, to Rask. And he was great uh, to start the season. And they've started to tail off a little bit lately. Um, not terrible. He's not tanking or anything. But there's just been a couple games. That game against Washington the other night, yeah, that third goal that was I, I said to someone when I was watching it that if Rask had done that the Twitter would have broken Bruins fans would have <laughs> lost their minds I think for the most part uh, for the fan base they're just they're, they're glad that Halak's doing well uh, and, and Rask really if you take out that I know it's easy to say but I, I'd be interested to see how much it would change his save percentage and his uh, GAA just because he gave up about a billion goals and Oh yeah. So um but he's been great lately. Um lost last night, I believe, for the first time in five starts. Uh maybe six maybe my sixth one last night. So he had won five in a row, had a shutout in there. Uh so he seems like he's kind of coming back to life here and Halak is kind of evening out. I guess is the way you want it to happen. You want him to even out that way instead of both tanking at once. But um I would say that the consensus is that people are Block is doing well. They're glad that Rask is a little bit back to normal. And then you'll have the fringe people on either side. You'll have the people who think they should trade Rask to a four-year deal. And then you'll have the people who think Halak should start every fifth game uh, yeah. and run with I mean, we don't, you guys know, Philly fan, there's really <laughs> no, there's really no lukewarm takes uh, oh, yeah. for Bruins goalies. So I, I think that what they're going to start rolling with, over the next couple of weeks just because he's been the better goalie for the past month or so, uh, in my opinion. And at some point you kind of want him to get on a run because I don't think they're going to go far with a platoon. So it'll be interesting right. though. Halak has done well. It's nice to see him kind of have a solid year as a, you know, he's been a bit of a journey. It's definitely good to see him do well. I mean, we just got a guy with a, a save percentage over nine ten for the first time. What feels like forever, and he's the savior. So yeah, and he's twenty. <laughs> All right, so so it's funny. It's funny you mention that because I've gotten and I don't. I don't mean to bring up a sore subject here. I'm not picking on Philly. Oh, uh, here we go. But arguments before where people would argue that that Rask isn't worth the money, and he's not that great. But the my argument is that they're paying him. I think this uh, cap hit. And he's been fine at worst. He's been fine for for 
years now. He, he's been great some years, other years. And I said, my argument is that it's better to have to pay that money for a consistent performer rather than have the Flyers who seem like they've been looking for a goalie for the past 15 years. Oh, yeah. And it's no, just it's... like, you know, there's there's value in someone you know you can trot out there for 50 games a year. And is he maybe win a Vezina, but, you know, he's not going to be a seven, I don't know, seven goals a night, right. 700 save percentage guy. So I don't, I think there's value stability. Uh, and I, I hope that you guys find a goalie someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- we think I, I, Carter Hart, right. Is, is early he, on is Carter Hart's look pretty good. I mean, it, and I, I don't think it's any coincidence that the penalty kill has looked a lot better since he came up. Cause that's been a pretty rough spot for the Flyers over the last couple of years. And, he is making saves that other goalies haven't been able to, to make behind the Flyers' defense because the Flyers' defense uh, loves to give up chances against. Uh, but he's been able to bail out the team a bunch. And he's also – the record's not great, but there's been a couple games. The one I keep thinking of is a couple weeks ago, played the Panthers in uh, Florida, got the spirit scored five minutes in, and then the rest of the game was just the Panthers throwing everything they had at Carter Hart. And they were up one nothing the entire game. And he got hung out the dryer twice in like the last six minutes, and they lost like that. So, I think as soon as you mentioned the Panthers game, I started shaking my head. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was, but that's the type of stuff. I mean, if that was any of the other six goalies they've used this year, that probably would have been another five to two, six to two, you know, run of the mill loss for the Flyers this season. But I, I mean, th- you know, the Browns jersey that circulates on the internet where it's <laughs> yeah, got every yeah. Cleveland Browns quarterback for the, since like the year 2000. Um, we've joked on the blog about maybe making that for Flyers goalies. Yeah, we absolutely oh, yeah. could. I see, and I think um, you were talking about uh, you're talking a little bit about Rask and like how some people just defend him no matter what, and other people kind of want to pick him apart. I feel like, and this goalie was nowhere near as good as as Rask, but I felt like Steve Mason was that guy in Philly for a couple of years, and yep. I think Steve Mason kind of Steve Mason in Columbus was flat out terrible. I don't think anybody's arguing against that, but he had, I think he had some good time in Philly. And I think there are a couple of seasons that got overshadowed because the team as a whole uh, blew. So like, I think he had like a nine twenty something save percentage in 2014, 15. And he was out there for most of the games and nobody pays attention to that because the flyers sucked. Yeah. And then he was, he was passable in other seasons and almost beat the Rangers by himself in 2014. So and it just got annoying because even when he was fine, I didn't want him on the team anymore because it was every single game. If a goal went in, somehow it was not going to be Mason's fault to some people. Yep. And to other people, it was just going to be Mason's fault no matter what. So it was just a yeah. thing where like I didn't want to deal with it. I kind of would rather have these seven goalies well, <laughs> where so we know they're all bad. <laughs> and that's that's how it is now. It's just with Rask, it's just like, it, like, it's like the worst of of Twitter. Yeah, and if, I mean, our Facebook page is just as bad. It's oh, funny well. because we, very, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but it's a very interesting split. Like I can I can post something on our Facebook page, and I know exactly what the comments are going to be, and I can paste mm-hmm. post it on Twitter, and it's going to be the exact opposite. It's very interesting, but but every it's just, just like with Rask now, every single goal, yeah, it's like every single goal against is just like. There's somebody who will reply to the Bruins Twitter handle and just complain. Just, just, just <laughs> not, not every goal is is 
a pro i don't know don't even get me started oh yeah just, no no it's like yeah. it's it's just we've seen a lot no of goals ground. that are essentially just the fault of defensemen putting their stick in the wrong place or i like yeah. brandon manning was the king of that knocking in a, a goal off of his skate yeah i well and I, mean, I think the prime example of that too was uh that flyers lost to the sharks early in the season eight to two i think if like going back and looking at the goals i honestly want to only pin one or two of those goals on brian elliott they gave up eight goals and i think i could only say that two of them are really even brian elliott's fault it was just nothing but odd man rushes the entire game. Like, well, but- not, like so, so the the good example he started in Toronto on uh, Saturday and won. No, standings in just because Toronto's obnoxious. So it was nice to see them lose. <laughs> uh, but he gave up a goal. I want to say it was the first goal the Toronto scored. It was a, just a very weird. The puck was thrown on net. It was deflected up high, right in front of him. Uh, and then the puck hit the ice and kind of had this weird backspin. Like I've never oh, seen yeah. it before. It was almost like like someone chipping onto a green, and it just kind of spun backwards through his five hole and went in, and it like trickled in slow. What looks even worse? We're like, what you know? What do you want him to do? <laughs> the puck is not going to bounce like that ninety nine times out of a hundred, and he was positioned. Oh, to take him out, put a lock in. He went out. Whatever. It's just you know. And then last night he gave up three goals against uh, or whenever. Um, three goals against Montreal, and if you look on um, Natural Stat Trick, they have the heat maps there. All three goals were directly in front of the net. Yeah, one was a, uh, I want to say a snapshot, and then Petrie baseballed it out of the air, which was pretty cool actually. But it's just you know, it's just like, like with with um, was it Mason? You said there's just no, there's no middle ground, and it's just right. obnoxious. It's like sometimes it's just a goal, and we'll. For what it is and move on with our lives so i don't know you've always got this weird disparity too where you have some goalies who are uh their numbers are inflated by having a fantastic defense in front of them and some guys who are just giving it their all every night and getting nothing from their defense so they look like crap like uh right. in the late 90s that was always chris osgood was the guy who everybody said was inflated by the defense in front of him he had a really good red wings team in front of him but chris osgood was never an impressive goalie but He's also one of those guys who's up there and wins for career. Mm. Right. Well, and I'm pretty sure sh- I'm, I'm stupid to say this because I don't know 100%, but I'm almost positive that Rask pushing the Bruins all-time wins mark if he hasn't already broken it. Oh, really? Um, and I know, oh. you know, I know that wins aren't, uh, yeah, depending on who you ask, they're not a goalie stat. Um but you know, there's like I said before, there's something to be said for longevity and for for doing uh, consistently, you know, good enough for a while. And I know you don't want your goalie just to be good enough, but uh, at some point, there there's value in that. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's it's almost to me like you know, at some point, according to Hockey so. Reference, by the way, Tugarask is one away yeah, from it's... the. Uh, <laughs> The Bruins all time, so it's Tiny Thompson with two fifty two, and then Tuka Rask with two fifty one. Thompson, okay. Pulled, so Tiny Thompson. I pulled it up as I was saying that, and yeah, he. So if if he wins his next start, he'll tie it. What I was thinking of, I'm looking at it now, was that he he passed Thompson for um most games played with the like two weeks ago. Yeah, so, so that, he, he's now started four hundred seventy three games. Uh, wow, that means he something. Has yeah, two hundred fifty two, two hundred fifty one wins and 
if you're still on Hockey Reference, if you want to know the truth of why this is so obnoxious, it's because of that number five name on the list. Uh, because uh, Bruins fans still think that every goalie should play all the time like Tim Thomas did in 2011. And it's completely unsustainable. It's ridiculous. I, but... Tim Thomas, so real quick about fly probably Tim Thomas has been like an underlying talking point for us for like the last two years because of Peter Shirelli and how he got a second chance and everything. And my theory is just pretty much if Tim Thomas wasn't Jesus on ice in the spring of 2011, Peter Shirelli wouldn't have never had the, the chance to work in Edmonton. Cause no, I, well, because if, if so, it, it honestly, it comes down to, so you can put it on Thomas, but that first, if they lose round series to Montreal, oh, Nathan, yeah. Horton, Nathan Horton scored in overtime in game seven, which is great. I still watch that every now and then. <laughs> you know, you got to go back and look. Yeah. If we don't need to talk score, about the next series, though. Well, no, we can talk about the year before too. If you want to even know, that was <laughs> oh, terrible yeah, for yeah. us. <laughs> but no, if that that goal, it it, it it's a slap shot that deflected off of Hal. Oh, I'm sorry, Travis Moen's leg and beat Carey Price. They won right. the series and then they won the cup. If they don't win that, they're all fired. Julian's fired. Shirelli's fired. They're all all of them are gone because of the year before. They're clean house, and then he he bought himself some. I mean, Tim Thomas, Shirelli, you could argue Shirelli owes his career to Tim Thomas. I don't think that's <laughs> that wild of a take because, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. What he's doing to now is just hilarious to watch. So it's oh, going to be best. fun. It's, it's hilarious for everyone outside of Alberta, outside of Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> for them, it's not so fun. I don't know. That's a, a very long tangent on Rask, but uh, like you said, there's no uh, there's no middle ground. He's he's either the worst or the best. That's just annoying at this point. So yeah. All right. Uh, I guess we'll. I, I have a couple other questions here. Uh, we can move on from the goaltending for a bit. That was pretty good talk, though. Uh, so Jake DeBrusque was in the news today. Uh, for I believe he's day to day with an injury. I'm not quite sure about that, but he was called out by head coach Bruce Cassie today. Uh, quote, the standard we expect out of him, I don't think has been there enough lately, period. He's been told that. We want him to play the, we want him to play his way out of it. I thought in the third period there were some positives, so hopefully that gets him going into the next game. We'll see. So it sounds like Bruce Cassie is not a big fan of Jake DeBrusque right now. Uh, what do you see with DeBrusque's game at the moment, and do you think he is struggling? Or do you think Cassie is just kind of going a little hard on him? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, he's so so. It's interesting because he, um, here had um a reputation deserved or undeserved as being a terrible coach for young players. He was someone who was criticized for being hard on the young guys. Uh, Ryan Spooner, who just got reunited with Peter Shirelli and I think healthy scratch, which is too bad, but he's one who just had Julian just constantly. And there were rumors of Pasternak, uh, you know, or Julian having issues with Pasternak all the way around. And it's just, it's funny because a lot of it isn't true, but once that narrative starts, uh, it's going to stop. So Cassidy came in, and I, I feel like he came in with kind of a, a reputation that he was going to be a player's guy, um, that he a younger coach, a player's coach. Um, and, and 
I think for the most part that's been true, but it's in anecdotally he's done this a decent amount uh with seemingly with the young guys um so i i like so just for example david backus is on this team still uh news. He's still here. <laughs> and i feel bad because he he really is a, a great guy he's guy he plays hard he's had terrible luck with injuries and Ill- illness really not even just injuries but you know, he's just, it hasn't worked out for him. Uh, he's getting paid a lot and he's not doing a ton. Again, great guy, great character guy, rocker room guy. This but all sounds really familiar. You, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I should have prefaced this. I'm sure you'll understand. <laughs> it's just like he's, and he's not, he's not, I don't know. He's not, I don't want to be mean and say he's just terrible because he has flat, productive and stuff. But he's someone who, to my knowledge, Cassidy hasn't, really called out at all you know you don't hear him you know we need out of more out of 42 we need you know we need him to get going so it's mm-hmm. kind of strange that he seems to do this to certain players like i said if, if i'm building my own narrative here um unfairly because it may not be the case but for debrusque i don't i don't know i don't he hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but he he has. I want to say I'm looking now. He's got 14 goals. And, yeah, uh, 37 games, which is not exactly. He was terrible. injured, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, if you if you if you space that out, or, or I'm sorry, pace it out over the course of 82, he's he's looking at close to goals, if not more. Um, you know, obviously you can't count on right. that, but uh, you know he's he's. To me, he's been fine. He's been he's been a young player who's had his ups and downs. So it's odd to me to hear to hear him do this. You know, part of me mm-hmm. thinks, all right. I mean, he's a coach. He knows what he's doing. DeBrusque, and that gets him going. Because my I mean, my concern is that it, it goes one of two ways with these younger guys. Either they it lights a fire under them, they start pouting, and that's that. Uh, so he see he seems more like the kind of old school type like he's a he's a hard skater he plays a bit kind of a you know he's a little bit different from the flashier young guys um so i you know i'm I'm reading into this my own assumptions i just don't think he's been that bad though i I, it's odd to me to read this today and it just seems kind of like you know after that game last night lost three to two in overtime, they probably should have lost in regulation. Price was great, but I don't know. I didn't watch that game and come away with it being like, ah, DeBrusque, it's the worst. It's just weird. <laughs> like I don't know. It, to me, to me, there almost must be more to it. So maybe it's just Cassidy has seen something hasn't gotten fixed. So maybe it's just kind of came to a head. But he did say in that quote, um, said I thought in the third there were some positives, and I actually in the third his his legs were moving better he was he was using his body more and you know that's what they want him to do i think they want him to kind of be a crack net type um and he's he's really the reason they scored on the power play because he was harassing price in front of the net to tie the game so a little i like debrusque i think he's going to be a good player and i think it's a little bit of a strange tactic but i i don't think he has played poorly enough to be called out like that it's a little bit strange to me yeah well as as Flyers fans we can tell you um I think that's just a coach thing because Dave Haxtell uh benched Ghost 
Konechny, and then did a bunch of in-game benchings with Nolan Patrick over the last few years. So I think it's just a common tactic, but it is kind of interesting that. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at DeBrusque's stats, and I remember his play. I mean, he had a huge postseason last year too, right? Or he had he had a huge game seven against the Leafs as well. Yeah, he scored. Uh, he scored the game winner. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good goal. In, uh, games. Yeah. yeah, and it was, and his his numbers this year look fine. Like you were saying, he has uh, 14 goals, 17 points in 37 games. I mean, he had 47 or 43 points last year in 70 games. So. Or, I don't really. Yeah, he was six six two eight in the playoffs last year in twelve games. Yeah, so that's so, not. I mean, yeah. But it, it, I don't know. Like you said, I think it, it seems to be a, a hashtag hockey guy thing. Where if you're if you're a true hockey man, you have to bench the young. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much yeah. that's exactly what it it's is. Like, it's, yeah, like, it's like I don't know some like Canadian inferiority complex <laughs> or something where you have to Andy. you have to be mean. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, or else they're gonna get too full. I don't know. It's yeah. like I the think Canadian inferiority fine. complex. That's the name of my next band, by the way. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. yeah, just apologize before every show and apologize after, and you'll be fine. I'm very sorry about this. <laughs> but we're gonna rock out right now. Uh, so, continuing along the lines of Jake DeBrus talk, though, uh, since you are a Bruins fan, I do have to bring up uh, one of the most infamous tweets out there from uh, Reese Jessup, who. Mentioned during the 2015 draft with the third, uh, three first-round picks the Bruins got, they could have had Matthew Barzal, Kyle Connor, and Oliver Shillington. Uh, they ended up with Jacob Saboral, Jake DeBrusque, we were just talking about, and Zachary Seneshin. So we won't won't talk about DeBrusque, but what? How do you feel about Zaboral and Seneshin? I know Seneshin used to be a teammate with uh, Morgan Frost uh, back with the. Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, currently in the AHL. And then Zaboral's so got a little bit of playing time this year, but only two games. Uh, what yep. What are your thoughts on those two prospects? Well, so that, uh, if, if you're a Bruins fan, in that, that tweet before, uh, it's annoying. It's, it's, it's a good one, but it's, it's annoying at this point. And the, uh, the Bruins played the flame weeks ago. And I want to say, um, Oh, yeah. I forget. And uh, Shillington, who until that game, I didn't know that's how you pronounced his name. I didn't know either. Thought it was Kylington, so I apologize to him. I didn't mean to hurt his feelings. (laughs) But uh, he, he, (laughs) there was a point in that game where uh, Shillington either didn't get to a puck or someone forced a turnover, uh, and the Bruins scored on the other end. And I, Really tweeted, oh shit, Shillington could have not turned the puck over there. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, I, I we all know, we all know it's there. But uh, yeah, so that I, my working theory on that draft, and it's been floated by people who know far more than I do, is that the Bruins' plan all along there was I, they, I think they were trying to trade uh, all three of those picks to Carolina to move up and take Noah Hannafin. Uh, that seems like something that was rumored at the time. Uh, and of course, he's a local guy, so we have to pick yeah. all the local. It's just a thing. Got to get a local signed, guy. Come on, Boston College. Yeah, they, yes, Boston College. Yep, they signed. Uh, they traded for Paul Carey the other day. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, 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 now, see, not all local guys are bad because Jimmy Hayes grew up up the street from him in Dorchester. He can do no wrong for me. He got a bad rap good local guy don't listen to Bruins fans about him but that's a story for another day <laughs> um, 
but that's my 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 theory and it's it almost is worse than what happened if it's true is that that's what they were trying to do and when eventually decided to take Hannah Finn they were like oh shit <laughs> we have we have three draft picks in a row now who are we taking oh jesus so i've looked at that draft a lot um Zaboral and DeBrusque were not taken that far off from, from their, their scouting rank. Uh, they weren't, you know, if they were picked at, say, 14, 15, I believe they were ranked within three or four spots of those picks. They weren't, at the time, I don't think they were that bad. Um, like, they weren't that much of a stretch. Seneshin's the one where Sweeney just completely went off the board. I want to say he was ranked in, like, the 30s or 40s. Uh, in the pre-draft final pre-draft rankings, but obviously he, he lit it up in the OA. who just piled up points. So my, my theory with that is that they, they needed defense at the time. They knew they needed to fill that pipeline. So Zaboral at 15 or 50, I'm sorry, I don't remember the exact order they were, picked uh, in, but, um, Zaboral there of Seneshin 15. Okay. Yeah. So, or, yeah. Boral there isn't that bad to me. Looking at back at it at that time, they knew they needed a defense prospect. They took him. He was right around where he should have been. Uh, and then DeBrusque, same thing. And then Seneshin was the stretch. So, so far, if if DeBrusque, it's funny, we just talked about that, about him. He wasn't, if he hadn't been playing as well as he has the last year and a half, I think that you would hear more about that from Bruins fans. I think right now it's kind of like, we know, you know, everyone, it's like the Sagan trade. Everyone knows it was horrible. It's just oh, like, yeah. Okay. You know, what are you going to do? Of the opinion that you don't, you, you can't expect Sweeney to have known for sure. If, if he knew that Barzal was going to be as good as he is, Connor, I know that's how pre-draft scouting works, but you can't, part of me can't pin all that solely on him. It's like, oh, yeah, obviously if, if, if people had known that David, best goal scorer in about 10 years he wouldn't have fallen to 24 in that round it's just kind of how it works um so zaboro is the one who's closer to being nhl ready i think he actually did a pretty decent job of of pushing for a spot um in training camp he, he took uh calgary in one of the china preseason games and i believe he ended up with a concussion from it so that kind of knocked his chances out but problem with him is that he's since been surpassed already by a few guys so uh mcavoy has been drafted come up and become a regular since he was picked um yeah. and then vakanainen was picked just arguably one of the more random draft picks in in recent yeah i'm not a draft you know guru but i feel like i'm reasonably plugged in and i had never heard of him so and he came up he, i mean he made the team out of camp as as a 19 year old defenseman uh ended up getting cheap shot at by borvietsky and you know that he went to the juniors and he's in providence so i think with zaboro part of the problem is that he's he hasn't developed as fast as some other defensemen in the organizations must um i still think there's hope i mean i think he should push for a spot next oh, year yeah. out of camp um so I mean I haven't lost lost hope with him. Seneshin's the one fire falls on just because like I said, he was the stretch pick. He was the 
Sweeney trying to hit a home run with a first round pick, which, you know, so I, sometimes you have to do it. I can't fault him completely for that, but he just hasn't, you know, from my, my understanding is he, he's shown flashes in Providence. Uh, the, the strong skater that he was known as a junior is the guy with the great shot, the great offensive instincts. Um, my kind of that uh, they should just call him up at some point. And I realize it's easier said than done, but you, you're not going to know what you have in until you give him a shot. And I understand that that's not necessarily how it works, but to me, if you're Sweeney, you're almost in, in uh, Cassidy. Oh, hey, well, I'm giving, you know, cause he, he's going to save face for Sweeney or he's going to make him look yeah. that much worse. So, um, my my next one up will be Zaboral, and I think that he could be. I, I I'm reasonably certain he he'll end up being a serviceable bottom bottom half defenseman, so maybe a, a four or five guy. Um, but Seneshin's going to be the one who makes or breaks that going forward. Uh, it all looks like a failure of a draft, um, with DeBrusque being the the lone bright spot that makes it not a complete disaster, but. If Seneshin can put together, you know, become a, even a 15-20 goal guy, then all of a sudden it doesn't look as bad. But right now, you know, the 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 tweet they would have been better served picking <laughs> even one of those guys instead of yeah. the other two. But you know, well, you never I, know. Uh, it, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be interesting. My like I said, my gut tells me that at some point they have to just give it a shot with him. Uh, and if he fails, he fails, and then you cut bait and you free up the spot in Providence. So I would actually like to see what he can do, um, you know, understanding that's easier said than done. You can't pass over another guy just because you want to stay job if you're Sweeney. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I th- he got, I mean, this uh, uh, Reese got, uh, I think he got a little lucky with the three names he picked out too. But I remember 2015 was one of the drafts that was, I was pretty focused on because the Flyers sucked that year and they were picking seventh and I was hoping that was my big uh my first big uh I guess test of faith in Hextall because everybody was talking about Lawson Kraus and it was apparently like you know fans wanted Kraus or fans wanted Proveroff and the old Flyers would have gone with Kraus because he's a big hulking forward who's pretty physical but uh it seemed like the obvious choice was Proveroff so but I remember awesome. yeah Sorry. Looking at that, I'm looking at that draft now because you said uh, Kraus. Um, yeah. I re- so correct me if I'm wrong. He was the big guy, right? He was. Yeah, he, he was, was like, like one of the physical right. kind of. And it was just okay. one. He was like the name that if everybody were... was convinced the Flyers were going to get yeah. him because and he I was just... big. They were like, "Oh, it's a big forward. The Flyers are totally getting him <laughs> because he's." We were pissed off in advance. <laughs> well, it's, it's so it's funny you say that because I remember Bruins fans being convinced they were going to draft because. They, that was that uh, that was the summer that it became reasonably apparent that or the season I mean that it became apparent that Lucic was done. That oh was, yeah, yeah. One of Sweeney's better moves, by the way, if we're gonna give him credit. Oh yeah, no, good, that, good, that good definitely God was. God Almighty, that that contract <laughs> in Edmonton, you knew everyone. I mean, to be fair, it's not that dissimilar from the Backus contract. But when he signed <laughs> that deal in Edmonton, it was just like, oh my God, what are they doing? And I love. But yikes! Uh, but oh, anyway, yeah. so I remember Bruins fans, a certain segments of our fan base, clamoring for Kraus too. So, um, yeah, 
Well, I feel Florida like picked him. And yeah, and then I think it was in Florida, so like they went nuts because they they don't know what they're doing. But yeah, DeBrus is kind of like a not the kind of seems like a better version of what people wanted out of Kraus. So. Yeah, I mean he he's a, he's a good player. He's 20, yeah. 22 years old. He plays with a little bit of an edge. He, right. Like I said earlier, he plays a little bit more physically um than than other young guys and he he kind of put his head down and go to the net uh which is what you want and yeah. and what Bruins fans have traditionally loved. So um you know, the other looking at that that draft though, the other thing that is that you can kind of, uh, I see that, um, Beth, him, uh, Chabot. I don't know, is that, is the one in Ottawa? Is that Thomas Chabot? Uh, Shabbat, yeah. Shabbat, he, sorry. He was, uh, teammates with Zaboral too, I think, in junior. Well, I know there's Shabbat and Shapu, and I don't remember which one is pronounced which way, <laughs> but the, the Canadians guy is, um, Shapu, so. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. the Bruins don't ask us for pronunciations. <laughs> yeah, we're not we getting them terrible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we can all be bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but looking at that, so that it's funny because just for now, this is what will make or break how Bruins fans look at that draft. Um, in the second round that year, the Bruins drafted uh, Brandon Carlo. Uh, I'd say a three defenseman on their team who continues to get oh, better. Yeah. He's he's having one of his better seasons this year. Poor, yeah. <laughs> injured the week before the playoffs the last two years, so he's never played oh, in a playoff game. They got to take him out of the lineup once it hits March. But uh, <laughs> at thirty-seven, uh, they drafted Jacob Forsbacher Carlson at forty-five. He's now the third line center right. and. Uh, Lauzon, who came up earlier this season and uh, played well. I mean, he 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 was surprised a lot of people because he's been in came yeah. up and he was good. So, you know, if all of a sudden you look at those first two rounds and the team ends up with, you know, six of whom are doing pretty well, it kind of softens the blow a little. But uh, it's still, you know, right now it just looks terrible and there's really no excusing yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess maybe now they won't move the team to <laughs> Ohio or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess in retrospect, we kind of wanted the Bruins to take bars all because then the Islanders would only have Val Philpula, who apparently, once he leaves Philadelphia, he uh, knows how to skate and uh, score goals now. So he's still playing. Look, we I, I, we we don't want to talk about Philpula because it's it's one of the, he was so bad here. He was objectively he was bad in Tampa Bay too. To be fair, he was objectively bad here to the point where I think one of the biggest outrage points was he was the second line center for a good chunk of last season, and now he goes. And to be fair, Craig, he's got 19 points in 42 games this year, so it feels like a he's million, doing though. more. Yeah, but <laughs> he's not amazing. He's just doing it's just anything. He has, he has some of these goals where he's splitting defenses, and then you'll see tweets like, "Oh." Hextall had to let him go. And I was like, no, Hextall didn't let this Filthy let go. He let the Filthy let go last year where he was holding on to the puck in the corner against the Rangers and didn't pass it with time expiring. Like he did. It's a whole thing. But yeah, Barzal well, is still there. Filthy is still alive. You're not alone in that. That's a single person the Bruins let go. Some, something will happen and someone will say, oh, who told you they should have kept it? It's yeah. not. That's People not do that here with Pierre-Edouard Belmont. <laughs> that's, not how, that's not how sports works. 
Yeah, but Pierre Edouard, to be fair, is a pretty cool name. It is. Uh, a cool it's name. pretty cool name. I, yeah. You know, I think the Bruins should sign some cool name guys, but that's a whole different story. The bottom. No, nobody had a problem with Belmar's name. He's a cool guy, but he, uh, he, he couldn't hockey very well. I was gonna say at one point in time, the Flyers, their their fourth line had the last names of Belmar and Vandevelde, both extremely cool, terrible at their jobs. So if we could have just extracted their names and put them on, like, I don't know, like Scott Lawton and uh, Nolan Patrick, I think it'd be a whole different story. But had uh, Nicholas Fedberg was their backup goalie and Carl Soderberg is on the team. And I just wanted them to go out and acquire every Berg in the <laughs> NHL. Pontus Aberg. Like Aki Berg, Pontus Aberg. Just uh, <laughs> get all the Bergs and just, you know, just for fun. It would, it would this is maybe a Berg not team be now. the best team, but... <laughs> The, the Bergston Bruins. You could sell. Oh yeah, just millions. Bergs yeah. everywhere. But yeah, okay. Well, didn't happen. And Kyle Soderberg got a hat trick on Monday night, though. Oh, did he? He is well, a guy I I often forget is uh, in the league. I'll be honest with you. Cause... It's, well, so it's funny you say that because I tried my best, even on our website, to make him a cult hero, just because <laughs> it goes back to the HF boards days. Uh, because the Bruins had his right. Always one of those guys who was like, yeah, he's coming over this year. No, no, he's not. And then oh, yeah. he actually yeah. showed up and it was like, wow, he does exist. But <laughs> I actually really liked him. I am the same way. Like, I'll forget he's on Colorado. And yeah. then I saw I saw the in the intermission highlights last night. I was like, Carl, so I'm like, oh, my God, he's playing. <laughs> Scoring goals, too. <laughs> All right. Can't beat it. Hat trick in Toronto to beat the Leafs. Two losses in a row for Toronto. Beautiful. Can't beat that. Uh, okay, so I was going to ask about the power play, but I was—I think I'm just going to ask you about some random players uh, just to check in how they're doing. So, Chara is 72 years old, uh, 30 the season as the Bruins captain. Is he all right? Like, is he doing okay? Like, what's what's up with Chara? Because uh, uh, so it's funny. You because... ask that like a concerned parent. Like, <laughs> I is the day okay? He's a, he's getting up there, and I know he's still like well conditioned, but he's 41, man. Like, I, I just how's it, how's he doing? Until so, I, I it he is conditioning wise. I I sincerely think he is probably one leads in arguably the world, like for his yeah, size. No, he and, could and be for what like. The, the guy posted videos this summer of him climbing ropes. This this giant seven foot man climbing, scampering up a rope and ringing a bell. It's horrifying to watch. It's like, oh my god! It's, and I'm sitting there watching. Fists at my cube, just like, oh, I couldn't, I can't do that. Anyway, he so he's in great shape, and I think he's he's similar to, uh, in that he just wants to play forever and he's taking mm-hmm. care i mean he's not <laughs> my, my my guess is that he does rent sunscreen uh sunburns like tom brady does he seems like he has a little bit more sense than that but uh he he's he's a guy himself and he my thing with him is that his game has never been speed he's never been known as a guy a guy in a breakaway um so his game is all about positioning and reach. And those are two things that, you know, don't know deteriorate, excuse me, with age, like other things do. Right. So he's really similar to Rask in that 
fans who hate him. I mean, hate's a strong word, but then there are fans who really like him. I think that you could start to make an argument that they're paying him this year is a little much. Um, he's still, to me, he's still easily their best defenseman. I know some may disagree with that, but he, you know, for intimidation alone, you're not going to have anyone else on the team like him. You know, going into the corner with him or even coming down his side on a rush, you have to be aware of the stick miles long uh, coming at you. And I think that that part of his game has remained, you know, if if not at the elite level it was a few years ago, like he's still great in that aspect. But, you know, he had a knee injury earlier this year and there are people speculating that he's not going to be the same. I haven't noticed that since he came back, but, you know, you know, time comes for us all, unfortunately, <laughs> and he's, he's going to slow down. Uh, well, Yager almost beat it. He was oh, almost yeah. well there for a while. Yeah. I still think someone should. Want Somebody could back. definitely. It's hilarious. Uh, you could play for the, the Flyers this year, honestly. But I feel like I feel like you could put six. him or Mark Mark Recchi on on one of these two teams, and they would do just fine. <laughs> like put right wing first to second line, just stand yeah. passes all day, and just let them do their thing. But um, <laughs> I think he's been fine, uh, and I think that, like I said, some him on the team anymore he's too old he's too slow it's like he's always been slow you know and some of it is that he's not actually slow it's just that his legs are so long it looks like he's moving slow it only takes him two strides to cover the whole zone um but my if in my honest opinion i think he's been fine i think he's certainly starting to slow down a little bit but i think you know if you tell me in july that they're bringing him back for another season i would be fine with that okay so he's not a detriment. Like no, not, no. And any, okay. I mean, anyone who says he's harming the team has no idea what they're talking about. Okay. There's no way that that's true. Uh, so how is the city of Boston feeling today after they lost Colby Cave on waivers to Edmonton? Is everybody okay up there? There's the city in mourning, or is everybody? So my whole, I'm gonna surprise you and have a legitimate oh, beef with it. Oh uh, shit! Okay. Not, not because. A couple of years ago, um, when Vegas was coming into the league, everyone was talking about the expansion draft and pre- protecting your assets, who are they going to expose, you know, all that stuff. Um, ended up losing Colin Miller, who at the time it was it was bad because Kevin Miller was kind of a punchline, fair mm-hmm. or unfair. But he's actually and he, he's he's come a long way, so it kind of softened that blow. But there was talk that they would uh, lose Malcolm Subban to. Uh, they ended up not. They ended up bringing him up at some point, and then having to waive him and lost him for nothing because Vegas claimed him. Now, mm-hmm. so the cave, no big loss. He hadn't. I mean, he didn't get a fair shake in, in Boston. Uh, he wasn't going to get a, a shot to start. So you know, it's probably good for him that he went somewhere else. But just there's something that bothers me a little about the asset management aspect of it because you never really. Absolutely nothing. Um, and in this case, at least, it looks like they lost him because they wanted to call up Peter Solarik, which I, for months now, I think that he deserves a shot. Um, okay. So I'm glad I'm glad he got called up. But um, it's it's just one of those things where is it a big deal? No, not really. Uh, Cave was a decent player. He's kind of a hard-nosed guy. Uh, had done okay in certain 
situation at one point or another ended up on like the first line which is just not what you want uh <laughs> it was when bergeron was hurt and it's like ah, put someone out there the will carry him and he did fine you know he's he's not a bad player he's a hard-nosed guy i can see why um Shirelli would claim him because he seems to just think that Edmund can grit its way out of its problems. He's he's yeah. wrong, but you know, let him. Yeah, so it's, it's been his thing for a while. Yeah, well, I was thinking Ken Hitchcock, so Milan Lucic. It. You know, it's it's going to work out. <laughs> we'll be fine. They'll just face punch their way to to victory every night. But it's actually deal. funny. I was I was about to ask you about Peter uh, Shirelli too, or Shirelleric. Like I don't know how to say it. Yeah, so well, just to close the book on Cave, not a huge deal. Uh, best of luck to him in Edmonton. He seems like a, like a you know, down and plays kind of guy, which is, is always good to have. But you don't want to lose someone for nothing if you can avoid it. But, you know, right. at the same time, the spot, they need the spot. And, you know, they claim someone off waivers. They claimed Jamel Smith earlier this year. So maybe right. it's waiver. waiver yeah, I, from, yeah. From, uh, so, you know, no big deal. Uh, I hope he does well, but um, it kind of puts pressure on Solaric to produce now because you could make the argument that he was... I'm sorry, Cave was waived for Solaric and now Cave is gone. So yeah. hopefully he can make it worth it. Yeah. I would say the uh, as, as Flyers fans right now, too, uh, you you said you wouldn't prefer to lose uh, any asset for nothing, but uh, Dale Weiss is currently on waivers set. Fingers crossed that somebody is somebody's just waiting to pick up that <laughs> yes. that uh but I'll throw I, in another asset. You no, want them? No, what you're, yeah, we we I know what you're saying now. But the, the uh, minor not minor, but asset management that kind of is annoying about that situation. Yeah, it's I just it's that, just yeah. more like uh, you know, did you, you don't want to lose someone for nothing. Right. Like, like when I say it's a it's a minor I'm not going to write a column about it like i wrote a post about them losing suban still on the internet because i thought it was stupid that they lost him for nothing <laughs> i that take it still was not great but uh this isn't a big deal I, right like i said i wish him luck hope he he succeeds in edmonton but the team will be fine yeah yeah that's gonna he'll probably get top six minutes there one way or another so we'll say. put him on mcdavid's wing and let him just bulldoze people that's <laughs> that's what that seems hey, to be I... edmonton's Another another talking point of fly purple was uh, Patrick Maroon. I mean, pretty much was only made famous because he played next to Connor McDavid. It, it was it was annoying for us because for years I've said Patrick Maroon is a is a you know bag of garbage and isn't worth much. But like Frank Cervelli wrote a piece about how he was like the biggest asset the Flyers lost out on and all this kind of nonsense. And it's like, no, no, this, sure. this Patrick fucking Maroon, like he's not going to do anything. And then he looked on the outside of <laughs> outside of Edmonton year that he was traded at the deadline or was that two i don't remember uh, uh last year uh for, yeah to the I, Devils. oh my god yeah okay that's what i thought but i was yeah. convinced the bruins are gonna trade for him just convinced oh. it's just one of those guys where like you know oh well, look at he's got be in it scored he scored i think he might have gotten a hat trick against the bruins last year with edmonton uh if not he came close and it's just one of those things where i'm like it needed help on the wing, and it's like, please don't, don't. It's, Pat, it's like, I know he has X number of goals. Do not forget, it's Patrick. Mar- yeah, Pat, and I mean, they ended up getting Nash instead, and that was sad because I think he yeah. didn't work out great. And I feel bad, for him, but at least they didn't trade for Patrick. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So. Yeah, definitely the better decision there. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, Dan, to wrap this up, too, uh, a somewhat inside joke at Broad Street Hockey is that uh, Dan Heinen, who is apparently a forward on the Bruins, uh, is, is not a real person. So I would just like you, as a, a person that covers the team, to tell us whether or not he actually exists. Is Dan Heinen real? So I think he... I think that he may have been named by someone uh, selecting the default create a player name in NHL like, <laughs> 2001. It feels like his parents like, yeah, were... Right, sure. Yeah, they're at the hospital and they're like, what do you want to name this baby? And they're like, Dan. And they're like, wait, wait, we gotta go fancier. Uh, Danton? And then they, that was it. They just gave up on or, it. Or it could have just been a mashup of two names. I, oh yeah, it could have been. I mean, I've never... Dan and Anton. The, the two most may, desirable male names. Oh, go ahead, Steven. If I may, in The Prestige, Hugh Jackman's stage name is the Great Denton. Oh, so, maybe maybe big Magic fans or Christian big Bell. Magic fans. Big Magic fans. Big Prestige entirely, fans. Entirely possible that his family are time travelers and they knew that that movie was coming out and they liked it so much <laughs> that they're like, we have to, we have to name our kid this. And... <laughs> Now okay, so it would be great only... if, if, if I knew that. Now I'll I'll throw in an obscure reference when he makes a good move that he's a real magician with the puck, and we'll see if anyone gets it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for those wondering, not only is Dan Hein real, but his parents also invented the time machine. So there you it, go. It, look, I'm proving the point. I'm not saying that they're time travelers, but I'm saying that they aren't. You never know. Yeah. Oh no, there, there are some so. signs. <laughs> yeah. There's breadcrumbs all around. We'll we'll let you. We'll everybody else decide. So (laughs) we'll leave it up to you, the listeners. That's right. We're not drawing conclusions here, so you know, don't don't put that on us. Don't put that in any head. We're just throwing it out. You know, could be possible. I don't know. Just putting it out there. Well, I think that's as good of a note to end on as any. Uh, Dan, thank you for joining us today. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, we're at Cup of Chowda, obnoxiously spelled with a Boston accent. Uh, Got to do it the right way. Uh, go big or go home. Oh, dude, it's like a, I don't know. It's a stereotype. I didn't make it. <laughs> it is the stereotype. I, I inherited it. It's the tired Boston accent. But if we're being honest, we all do talk like we never went to school. So it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, we're at, we we're know at that uh, Cup of Chowda. Do you want to? Check us out next time the Flyers and Bruins are playing. We're happy to have you. All right. Excellent. And uh, yep. you can follow Craig's, Craig Forsyth at sports underscore R underscore bat. Sports are bad. There you go. Classic. And you can follow me at either Estebaum or at Fly Purpley. So uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we continue filling in for Kelly for at least one more of these. And uh, bear with us bear with us but uh thanks again to dan for joining us and uh everybody have a great evening day whenever the hell you're listening to this baseball truly it is awful i'm phillies writer justin clue join me every week along with john stolness liz rocher and dr trevor strunk as we discuss all the ways the phillies have hurt us on our podcast hidden season as well as historical anecdotes and raw emotional ramblings on our other shows continued success and the dirty inning subscribe to the good fight and you'll get conversations with insiders analysis of breaking news and stats 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 together we'll survive whatever baseball can throw at us